there's a flip side to that coin. What if you do got me boxed in? Then I gotta put you down. Because no matter what, you will not get in my way. We've been face to face, yeah. But I will not hesitate. Not for a second. Maybe that's the way it'll be. Chris Payton, play that little, uh, the female in the background. <laughs> I appreciate you. That's our boo. That's our boo. World, what's up? It's your boys. We made it past the elections. Yes, we did. I hope everybody's doing well. Stay safe. Stay focused. Smile. Word. That's free Just smile A smile is free It ain't hurting you It ain't hurting nobody It's giving positive vibes It's letting your fellow man Your fellow woman know Listen I love you I want nothing but the best for you But to cut through the chase It's your boy Big H Silverback Chronicles Podcast I got my brother Dre Yes sir What, what number is this? This is um, 44 44 up in this beast I like it I love it you know what I'm saying? People, we're episode 44. It's moving. You hear me? I'm going to be honest with you for tonight. Tell them. Every episode is fire, but tonight is something different. It's like we keep out doing ourselves. We do. Because, I mean, Eric. Eric was phenomenal. Amazing. Rick Meyer was crack. Rob Long. <sighs> Rob Long, crack. Crazy. Fire. But the, who? The, the Lewis family. Crack Fire The Braggs Crack The Supremacy All of the Silverbacks All the Silverbacks We got a couple boxes on here I mean When I say Come on man What we bring to the table is authentic is different and is raw It's different But tonight But tonight If you from Baltimore Let me tell you something Come on, come on. I, ain't, I, I get excited but I'm gonna shut up I get too excited because what we got tonight, listen, the man did the job. The man is born and raised in Baltimore. Oh, my God. Everything about Baltimore, he's going to tell you. I don't think we get anybody better to represent the cloth of Baltimore. On both sides. On both sides. On both sides. Listen, he was uh, uh, a mayoral candidate. Yeah. His voice speaks volumes. It's so much in this man's pedigree. It's impeccable. Put it like this. I will be out on the street. I was going to save this for later, but it's a perfect time right now. Perfect timing. I will be out on the streets, and I'm the people, I'm investigating a shooting, and I'm like, Deep in the hood, southwest type, yeah. And they'll be like, if this gentleman said it, then it's the truth. Mm. 
And I would be like, yeah, okay. Mm. They're like, if this gentleman, I don't want to say his name yet. Not yet. We're going to save it. But they, this, people have said, if he said it, then that's what happened. Right. And I'm like, wow. That's crazy. True story. Amazing. True story. I saw this man at Artscape. I was detailed to it, me and my supervisor, a couple other instructors. And I knew he was going through a lot. And he never let he never let none of that bother him. He took his time out. He said, what's going on, brother? I appreciate you. Because that's the thing he's working with the job. He was on the job. Right, as and a I, higher up. As a higher up. And I know he looked stressed out, but you know what? He was, he, you know, uh, just a, 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 a man about it. Grown man. Composed. Smiled. How you doing, officer? I introduced myself that to him. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. Real long way. Yo, the... He deserves so much. And um, listen, we're going to get into it. But I'm telling you tonight, it's a very... Listen, episode 44 is about to be crazy. Crazy. I say we let him introduce himself. No, no, we're not going to do that just yet. You don't want to do that? Not just yet. I don't want him to talk until it's time for him to show up Mm. and show the fuck off. But first and foremost, let's get our sponsors out the way. (laughs) Stop box. Triple C, here we go. Great teaser. All right, here we go. Starbox USA, everybody. Listen, it's a safety mechanism for your Glocks and your long guns. If you got an AR, if you got a pistol, Starbox USA is perfect for it. Safety concealment for your gun, even TSA approved. Okay? You can carry it with you. Let them know what you got. Go through security. Gucci Coochie eating on the chimichurri. You heard? That's it. That's it. They come in various different colors. It's Starbox is hot. It's phenomenal. It's doing numbers right now. And on top of that, Triple C, what do we give that nobody gets? 20%. 20% discount. Fire. From your boys in blue. All you gotta do is put in your discount code, all caps, Silverback Podcast. What? Silverback Podcast, you get what they get, Triple C? 20%. Listen, nobody's doing that right now. Right. Ever, heard of, ever heard of shipping and handling? What? <sighs> On us. Thank you. On <sighs> us. You appreciate Listen, we appreciate you. Thank you. Silverback Podcast. We just want y'all to be safe. That's it. Be safe. Be grown up about your business. And we love you. We appreciate you. Listen, this is episode 44. I don't know what else to say, but it's about to get real crazy in here tonight. You thought last week was insane. Tonight, homegrown, politically, on the other side, been there, done that, homegrown. I don't think I need to say anything else. Dre, what else you got, baby? I just want to add that not only has he worn the Baltimore City uniform, Mm. but he got multiple uniforms in his closet. Absolutely. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I got to say. Listen, with no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, listen, we love you. We appreciate you for tuning in. Listen, we engage to your ears and we about to get married on this episode. (laughs) It's about to get crazy. So with no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our mayoral candidate who's been on the job, Baltimore homegrown, with no further, listen, TJ Smith, everybody. Gentlemen, yes, sir. Thank you. I was wondering who y'all were talking about. <laughs> but I, I appreciate it. I appreciate. No, listen. It. Appreciate we appreciate it, you, sir. 
there's nothing like what you brought to the table when you came on the job and then just being real and authentic and about it's 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 amazing. I mean just being here. Just no. being here tonight, just it's valiant. Well, this is long overdue. I got to do the Obama episode number forty-four. So perfect timing, but I wish I could have been here sooner. I appreciate what y'all are doing. Now you were busy. Yeah. You were busy. Listen, God works in mysterious ways, mm-hmm. and his way is the ultimate way for me. So it was tonight that you had to be here on episode 44, and it's nothing better than right now where we at. Sir. So, so please, Mr. TJ Smith, I know the world knows, but we're going to let them know again and again and again where you from, sir, born and raised, and please introduce yourself. Uh, no doubt, man. I mean, I'm from here. Been been living here in the area, whether it's been the city or the county all my life. Mm. But grew up here and, you know, went to school here. And my mom just gra- uh, just graduated, just retired after 36 years. Oh, God bless her. Taught 34 years in Baltimore City. And wow. I didn't think she was going to do it. But that virtual learning, she's like, nah, it's time to go. So, <laughs> so, I'm, Not I'm super happy with her. You know, grew up with a mom as a teacher. So the, um, the people that's my age know. When we used to get deficiencies and progress reports, I could never, never sneak mine in the house because she knew uh, today was uh, deficiency day or, or or progress report day. Where is it? And that crazy reason, December 18th, that stands out in my mind right before Christmas. <laughs> mm. It was always a progress report. Right. And mine would always say at least half my classes. Conduct interferes with learning. Smart, <laughs> smart kid, smart kid, but all he wanted to do is joke and have a good time. Uh, right, right. Like, uh, but I'm learning, man. But I'm, I do my work. I'm getting good grades. Right. But you're taking away from the other students. So she got it. So now my son is paying me back tenfold. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, awesome. Yes, yes, sir. Oh man. So how many? What thirty four years? Yeah, she did thirty four in the city, thirty six overall. And, um, you know, she loved every minute of it. And it, it's, it's it's her time. I'm happy for her. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to, you know, um, this next chapter for her. Like, it's funny because both of us are now retired. So I told her the other day we got to do some retired stuff together. But I'm going back to work. I know I'm that's right. I get back to work. I don't, have, <laughs> I don't have that level of a pension. I'm, I, I got some pocket change. I got to get some real money. I'm with you. <laughs> that's what's up. She deserved to kick her feet up, though. Yes, indeed. And yes, relax. Indeed. Yes. Thank you, man. Teachers don't get enough credit. No, they don't. Day and age, especially no. what they got to deal with now with, like, cell phones and all these other different distractions. You're thinking about that. When I was in school, when pagers were a thing, only doctors and drug dealers had pagers. Right, right, and right. if you took a pager to school... Um, back during our, my time in high mm. school, you would get expelled from school. Uh, oh, wow. You can't come back to city schools, period. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy to think these kids can come to school with their cell phones now. So I'm still not even used to that. Just times change. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, like, they text each other the answers and stuff. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah. Like, how can teachers, you know, even work in that type of environment? Right. And then you can't take a phone away from a kid. You have to try to forget about it. Try taking a phone away from a teacher. See but you know what? Teenager, see what happens. parents going to call up there cursing the teacher out, which is another thing in this yeah. day and age. The lack of respect for authority figures is just, it's a Ooh, different world. I remember you stay in a child's place. Yes. You know, Super if facts. If the neighbor came over, you go upstairs, don't put your m- uh, mouth in this, you know, but now it's like, what did she say to you? She's like, you talking to my kid like yeah, that? exactly. And everybody fighting. Yep. Do as I say, not as I do. Because it's yeah. babies raising babies, bro. That's why. Yep. The mindset is different. Mindset's but good to be here with you fellas. Nah, we appreciate, we appreciate you. It. it don't get no better. 
So tell the world, where, where you from? Yeah, from Baltimore, man. What well, block? You want to give a block out there? Oh uh, well, Dofield, uh, which is the um, what do they call that? I think they call it the Callaway area. I don't, I don't. We we just call it Dofield. So over by uh, Cold Spring Metro Station and then nice. Grove, Grove Park. Okay. So um, lived in those areas. That's for, the Northern uh, District. Northwest. 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 Okay. Yeah. Northwest. And uh, lived in those areas for most of my um, youth. And, uh, you know, all my family still live. My grandmother still lives in the house I grew up in. I That's grew up awesome. with my grandmother and grandfather in the house and um, still live in the same house. Still have Christmas there. I don't know about this year, but um, we still have, you know, the holidays over there and all. But um, went to Callaway, Falstaff, Pali in the city before Ooh. I went to uh, Woodlawn. Yep. Graduated nice. from Woodlawn. Yep. Awesome. That's the beautiful thing about Baltimore City is, like, you have – you could still keep to these traditions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the fact that your grandmother still has yep. the house with you, that's amazing. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's a big deal. It's like uh, most of my cousins, we all lived in the same area. Like I had two cousins lived on Callaway, another lived on Gwen Oak. We were always able to get together um, within a bike ride or whatever um, stuff. I wouldn't let my son do right now, but um, <laughs> but back then we could ride our bikes over to each other's house or whatever. So we grew up more like brothers than we did cousins, and that's that's just you know how it was. Was it crazy back then with the? It was it was a different time coming up in the eighties, of course, as we watched that crack epidemic hit mm-hmm. and. You know, when Michael Jordan came into the league and the Air Jordans came out, I had a pair of original red and black ones uh, back then. But How much then, did it cost? You know, you they weren't the ones. I think it was a certain brand, certain model of them. I don't know what you call them. Certain style, whatever you call the different styles that came out. That was like the first hundred and twenty-five dollar pair of tennis shoes. Mm. I remember my mother saying, "You ain't getting a hundred twenty-five dollar pair of tennis shoes." It's not gonna happen. But then, of course, back then in the eighties, the mid eighties, into the late eighties. People were getting killed over them tennis shoes. Mom mm. was like, "Nah." So uh, I understand it now, and it's funny because I was at a Nordstrom Rack earlier today. I'm looking at the bottom of these prices for my son's shoes. I was like, "I ain't paying no forty five dollars for these shoes. He gonna scuff up." So it all <laughs> right. comes full circle. Like I just need some scuff up shoes, and you know, I think back on it, like, yeah, didn't need that stuff. So yeah. I just paid. Two fifty five for the all black phones. Well, you, phone you well you working for it, you know. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, you work for it. But the <laughs> only reason why I got them is because those are the only forms I got when I was when they were original. And they were only like a buck fifty. Okay. And my mom did the same thing. I ain't gonna get you those. And I'm like, mom, please let me got them. Let me got them. Yeah. That's the one pair of sneakers that you always wanted. Yeah, the all black <laughs> forms, man. Right. Hey, hey, but you work hard enough for you got to treat yourself. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm a firm believer yeah, in that absolutely. myself these days, but. You know, as a kid, and the eight ball jackets back then. You know, Ooh. I wanted an eight ball. It, it was a different time. One. You think so, about the eighties, right? They they were a thing. You call them drug dealer cars. You could tell a drug dealer because you know what twenty two year olds driving around and well, a legend back then, or even before that, Ooh, uh, the act legend, so the act legend, Ooh, the Honda Accord, yeah. the big body. Yeah. Uh, we get back to the eighties and. And big nowadays coupe. you can't really tell, you know, because like rims and you know, beeper. It's different. Person, yeah. Now you can't tell. It's like everything's accessible now. Hey, yo, yeah, right. when he said the eight board leather jacket, <laughs> yeah, so that's ill and error. That's ill and error. Scratch. With the fresh butters on. Killing Ooh, it. The Thames. Oh yeah. Oh man. So what school you say you went to high school poly? 
I went to Powley and Woodlawn. I graduated from Woodlawn. I did my first two at Powley, my last two at Woodlawn. So, as I mean, everybody in Baltimore knows if you're going to pick a school, it's going to be Powley. You're not going to pick City. Mm. Right. Mm. You know, people, people that go to, people that go to City, um, people that go to City got their second choice. Okay. You know, <laughs> can't, everybody can't get into Powley, so right. they they send them over to City. So, um, but you know, uh, honestly, it's a it's a great rivalry. It's something that is great that we can celebrate. That right. we really, you know, I ran for mayor, and as 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 much serious issues as we have in this city, mm-hmm. one of the things that we really should be focused on is keeping our alumni alive and keeping the spirit of something positive alive. We have uh, many great schools, but City and Pali have this rivalry, and they have no home for their yearly football game. Mm, wow. And and every year you're searching for it. This is something we need to embrace and make sure these alumni who come from all over the country to come back to participate and celebrate have somewhere to go, and it's not up in the air like it is every single year. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's always a good time, the Pali City game. And, uh, again, those people went to City. They always say City Pali game. Again, they just don't even know how to grammatically correct say it. It's Pali City. <laughs> right, Pali City all Working, us working in the northeast, D. right? Us working in the northeast mm-hmm. when that rivalry happened, mm-hmm. we're not even from here, yeah. And we were like, "Oh man, this is gonna be good." Mm-hmm. It's gonna because be a crazy it's so week. embedded right. in Baltimore City culture. Yeah, oh, it's, one of the oldest games in the city of high schools. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you don't you, like if you go down to DC, people will say, "What college did you go to?" You come to Baltimore, it's what high school. It's high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We noticed that, and we we don't move, man. Um, you, if you grew up in the west side of Baltimore, and if your family moved out to the county, you moved to the west side of the county. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, mm-hmm. it's parts of the east side that I'm still not familiar with. It's certainly southeast. You get down, I get down southeast. I'm like, where what the, the hell, hell am I at? But you from the west side? You from the west side? You from the east side? You from the east side? And a right. lot of that is like um, some generational stuff, and also some of the things that really hurt the city from a transportation standpoint because it take half a day to get all the way over the east side. Right. It's doing public transportation. And to be honest with you, it kind of works in law enforcement because, you know, we was in the Northeast. So going to the Northeast and then, you know, transitioning going to the West Side, I'm like, listen, I know nothing about the West Side. That yeah. is true. You, you wow. take me to the Northeast, I give you our main our main blocks, even the side streets. Yeah. yeah. I go to the West Side, I'm like, all right, where the hell am I at? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I, so when I was running for mayor, I went sign waving. At Franklin and Sinclair and a couple other spots over there in mm-hmm. um, East Baltimore, Northeast Baltimore, and I'm like, uh, East Side, man, the love over there was unbelievable, and I'm like, I gotta spend more time over on the East Side, but <laughs> right. it, you know, it, it's a, it's a different world, uh, but again, when you grow up in that um, segregated city, you you're you're relegated to the East Side, and I remember one of my cousin's moms moved over to Northeast. Mm. And it's really not that far when I think about it. She's right off of Cold in Northwood. Okay. It really isn't that far going straight down Cold Spring, but it seemed like it was forever. When you moved over there, like, yo, why you mom move all the way over there? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah. But they got the lovely Morgan over there. So, you know. It don't get no better. That's yeah. right. Morgan's a good time. Morgan, she just. Right. A, nice. a, lot of, a lot of money to be made over there. Yeah, I agree. So where'd you go to college? Um, I did Hopkins, and I got a, a master's degree, and I got a master's degree from Washington State University Ooh. in strategic communications. Now, look, I got two master's degrees, and you know, some people ask, "Well, why you do that?" It's because like, we still got kick in the damn door. I'm still black, trying Absolutely. to you know integrate. And right. I remember being young and moving up the ladder before I even got into policing. 
And sometimes I was the youngest, the blackest without a degree. Mm. And it was a bit of a challenge to do certain things. You get skipped over a few times. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you got kicking the door. I'm not going to let you have a single excuse mm. as to why you didn't think I was good enough. Mm. So, you know, continuing education is a good thing. Don't, don't let anybody tell you what you can't do. You Don't know? limit yourself. Yeah. So so yeah, I did it. I did a, I did it. Um, two master's degrees and but again, like this city, um, again, as I said, when I was running for mayor, it, was, it wasn't something that I was putting at the front of mind. It doesn't make me better than anybody. It it is something that I need to get in certain rooms. When you try to discount me, I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. I can play that game too. Absolutely. And you know, I grew up right here in Baltimore and. I can get along with people on the street. And I appreciate the intro, man, for real. And, you know, I would hear people say that. Even to this day, trust is a big thing. Integrity is a big thing. And, mm. I, and, 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 and I wear that with a badge of honor. Absolutely. Um, and when people trust you to that level, um, you, you, you have a responsibility. And it's a hell of a responsibility. It's, 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 it's shoulders to bear that weight of right. responsibility. So I never took that for granted. And when, when people have an expectation, I got to live up to that expectation. And yeah. it's easy for you to do that because you're there for the right reasons. Exactly. It's not easy for everybody. Some people let things go to their head, mm. um, you know, and one thing I used to say often about my job as a spokesperson, um, like I'm a spokesperson for an entity, whether it was the Baltimore Police Department or the Anne Arundel County Police Department, or even when I went and worked for Baltimore County for Johnny Osheski. I'm a spokesperson. This is not the T.J. Smith show. And people got to know me because, you know, wasn't many people talking like that for mm-hmm. real. And, you know, it's like I can't go to a crime scene around the corner from where I grew up where multiple people were shot and killed and the mother's crying and just simply say, oh, yeah, we're looking for two suspects who killed these people behind me. No, that's not real. That's not really what I'm feeling. And part of my goal was also to convey what you guys behind the curtain were doing. Y'all were trying to solve a case or y'all had this emotion about, man, just talk to the mom and she's broken up. Somebody has to convey that to the public to know that, to let them know that we care about what's happening. Mm. So that, that's part of what I tried to bring. And it's, and, and, and it's real. And you can't act. If you try to act or try to fake it, people are going to feel it and know that oh, that's absolutely. bull crap. It's not know? genuine. Yeah. So that's just, just who I am. And, and, and I was fortunate because people aren't used to that in roles, um, spokespersons roles, especially from police departments. So, right. You know, tough, but it's tough also being in that public eye because you're the face of that scrutiny as well. Absolutely. You got to endure whatever comes with that role. Yeah. Oh, and a lot comes with it. Right. <laughs> oh, a lot. But I got to tell you, the the citizens, man, they loved you. Like at, at the beginning of the intro, to tell the full story now, I was on a shooting scene and the lady comes out and she said, well, TJ said this is what happened. Mm. And I was like, wow. Yep. And it's it just goes to show like how powerful. Yeah. You know, you really had you really had their trust. That means a lot to me, and it was multiple times. So I it wasn't didn't, just one time, and I did, I don't I didn't I never took any of that for granted, and that that's like I get so offended, and I shouldn't say this publicly because that'll bring out some more trolls. But when I get if somebody tries to call me a liar, and I've asked some of these trolls. I don't pay any attention to him. I appreciate him actually because right. I occupy space rent free in their head. Hello. But 
It's like if you're gonna call me something, bring some receipts. Bring the receipts. At least do your homework. Because, you know, that's all I got. And and I'm not going to sit up there and jeopardize my integrity for anyone. Mm. Period. You know, and, and you know, I, I just, I took great offense to that. You yeah. know, I always did my job. And it's very difficult. When you're a spokesperson, your job is to convey a message on behalf of which, who you're working for. And sometimes you might learn something later that was different than what you had at the beginning. And it's right. tough, you know, and you got to work on cleaning it up. That's an interesting point because as when you're doing investigations, mm-hmm. things it's very, everything changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you got to be careful. You got to yeah, be careful. That's why careful. you have to be careful when you're, um, when you're saying certain things and that's about relationships. And that's the part about having a relationship to have open dialogue, to communicate. This is what I'm going to say to ensure you don't overstep because it's, it's your integrity, whether you did it or not. I mean, people would call my office thinking I'm investigating the murder I talked about. Like, I just played police on TV these days. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. But it means a lot, man. I got. I had to represent the, the Baltimore police. I had to represent myself. Mm. I'm also representing the city of Baltimore. We're representing an entity, and it was very important to try to convey a professional in- image for the entity that I was representing. Amazing. All at the same time. All at the same time. Wow. I got to be honest. When I came in, you had a phenomenal hoodie on. Oh, yeah. And uh, purple and gold. Purple represents royalty. Um, are you on Mega Sci-Fi? Well, my hoodie, I gotta give a shout out to be more like us. Nice. That that's that's the brand, and that's the Lamar Jackson hoodie. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. La Marvelous hoodie. <laughs> I try. You know, you know. One Marvelous? of the things, Malavolous. La Marvelous. La Marvelous. Wow. Yeah. And one of the things I try to do is represent our local, like the shirt I'm wearing. Actually, Fly Nerd, local, um, nice. local brand. Um, I try to represent. Some of our local brands, uh, whether they're minority or not, a lot of uh, minority-owned stuff. The 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 three brands that I'm actually wearing today, the Be More Like Us, uh, Fly Nerd, and From Baltimore with Love. Nice. They are uh, all local brands, and they happen to all be minority brands. But we gotta take care of each other. Gotta man. take care gotta of each other. Gotta take care of each other. Awesome. I love it. So listen, why the big jump in the politics? What led you yeah, to that? That's crazy, right? I, you know what? So. I quit my job, which was a good job, okay. good paying job in Baltimore County. Mm. A great place to work. It was, I mean, the people there were phenomenal, um, you know, and I've worked in government for a long time. And to see how so many people were happy with their job in the county, I left the job because I had to make a gut decision. I'm like, I'm, I'm like courted as a serious mayoral candidate. I knew that that didn't define me. You, it, 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 I'm going to jump ahead real quick. Now, like after think, the election baby. was over with, okay. people were hesitant to get in contact with me because they thought that I was like completely broken down or whatever. I'm like, Real salty about me? what happened. Right. Do you know I had a trip planned to go over to the Eastern Shore to go fishing as soon as this thing was over with? Right. You know, whether I won or not, I'm going fishing and I'm going to relax a bit before we get back to work. Right. So, but the, but the point in that, me saying that is I'm a grown man who's done jobs and I'm going to be all right. So it, it wasn't going to break me. Part of, of, of competing is being able to accept loss. Mm. So 
I knew when I got into it that I had to be able to accept the loss if that was what's good, what was going to happen. But one of the reasons I got into it was I just thought that things were a bit of a joke. Like, you know, people were doing things for reasons that were going to further their careers within politics. And I felt like we needed to do things that were in the best interest of the people right now. Mm. And I'm going to just do it for a period of time. And then I'm going to move on. I don't want to be a lifelong politician. I want to be able to make some of these bold decisions that either you're scared to do, you don't want to do or can't do because you can't politically do it. I'm going to do it. And then y'all can take it back. But Mm. We need to get this thing on the right track because I'm tired of the talk. And having talked to so many people who've experienced the loss and the grief and everything else, it just was a calling. It was a, it was a, it was a movement. And I prayed on it. I remember having my stomach just hurting with the decision. Like I would go through moments of ain't no way I'm doing it. I'm definitely doing it. I ain't no way I'm doing it. And I prayed on it and I woke up one day with full clarity. I'm doing it. And I did it. And I have zero regrets about it. Um, I tried to do it to the most positivity and people can go back and check the tapes because there are receipts out there. I didn't attack anyone until they came for me. Mm. You come for me, I'm going to come for you. Which is fair. You know, that's it. And that's the only way I, um, I did it. I tried to concentrate on what we needed to, to, to think about. And I'm a creative person and I wanted to bring a level of creativity to government because we need it right now. So, Mm. you know, it was a lot. I mean, I'm I'm again, I'm, I'm a, I feel like I'm a well-rounded individual and I feel like I've learned enough to know enough and to know what I don't know, right. which is also critically important. Is is there a lesson you learned from that loss that you could share with everyone when, you know, because everybody's dealing with a loss right mm-hmm. now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is, is there something that you learned from that? or? Wait, it, I, it's, if, if anything, it's not always about winning. It's sometimes it's about elevating the conversation and you can use your platform to elevate the conversation and bring some things that are important to to the public through the platform that you have. So I felt like I had a platform that that needed to happen. Obviously, I was trying to win. But even then, like I'll give you a for instance. And again, I'm not going to talk about any specific candidates, but some candidates were promising a reduction in murders by X amount of percentage or cutting in half or a specific number under 300. And I'm like, I'm here to tell you as a fresh victim of this or survivor of this, that that doesn't make me or any of the moms or dads that I talk to feel better because our city with all these murders, if we had 175 murders, y'all want to have a parade. No, I want to work towards zero. Right. And it's not fair to the 175 families to simply say, we just want to get down to 175 murders or under 200 or under 300. That ain't right. So, so I think that people started looking at, you know, politician types looking at how they communicate that differently. And, and I wanted to make sure, you know, you bring something and just generally a level of creativity. Like you can keep it real with Baltimore and Baltimore will be okay with that. Oh yeah, you can, you can you can tell the truth, the hard truth. Some of it might hurt. You know, I, when I remember questions like, "I was the only one to say, will you cut the police budget?'" I said, "No, I'm not going to cut the police budget." I said, "Anybody that's going to tell you that is telling you that so they can get your vote." The reality is, in order to cut the budget, 
it's going to have to be a responsible path to start taking it backwards. Because what we've done is give every single problem that we've had over years to the police department. Now we've realized that's not the smartest thing to do. So we have to gradually work to take those things that we gave them off of their plate. And then we can also take budget off of their plate with it. I look at it as common sense, but you know, common sense ain't so common to some people. Mm-hmm. Well said. It's the truth, though. What do you think is the biggest hump Baltimore has to get over to finally come out unscathed and get back to that country club Baltimore? Yeah, because this town, Charm City, Baltimore. This town is a great town. Phenomenal. Has so much potential. I mean, you you mentioned you mentioned excuse me you mentioned um, all all the talent that's here. I'm gonna shout out Creative Culture. That guy. He does bike rides every oh, Friday. Uh, we going to talk about B. that. Henderson, there we go. The guy's he, he's he's a shaker, and it's all homegrown. We have to get out of our own way okay. and be different and mm. be creative, mm. be bold, and sometimes that takes us doing things differently, right. and that might involve hurting some feelings where you're not going with the same political class that you've always gone with. You're bringing in, and and you guys know this. If we have a murder investigation that has been just difficult to 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 really really hit and and, and solve, you could do what's called fresh eyes, get new eyes on this case. It's not an indictment of those who were investigating it. It's you. They might see something that you aren't seeing, mm. and then next thing you know, you have new and fresh leads in that particular case. Baltimore needs fresh eyes right now. Because we, if you just look back, it's been the same, same thing. And just graduating from the same political class. And, you know, whatever. It doesn't mean the bad people. It's just the same thought process. So bringing something in to add an injection. Uh, like, I'll give you a, an example. So The Wire is something that political figures hate. They hate the show, The Wire. They hate it. So I look at it as an opportunity. How uh, Europeans love the show. They come to America. They want to come to Baltimore, and they love it. Everyone loves that show. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone loves that show. So how can we monetize the wire? Why don't we do a tour, bus tour, in the city of Baltimore, showing where this was based on or where it was actually filmed, and then you get to an area like where the towers once stood, and you get to talk about the economic development that you put into that area. This mm. is what it once used to be, mm. and this is what it is now. This is what this used to be, and this is what it is. And ter- they do this for mafia in Chicago and Philly, in New York. Exactly. We, we can do it for this used to be a haven for the drug dealers in Absolutely. Baltimore. And now this is what we've done. Here's the work that we're doing as we emerge out of this. But we just want to be so, oh, God, I hate the wire and act like it doesn't exist. And ironically enough, we look at we had a mayor making baby clothes and selling children's books. We had a delegate. Think about this, man. I was a narc. I did some narc work. We had a delegate who told a guy as she's doing this weed uh, lobby and stuff that the only two important people to you are me and God, mm. <laughs> me and God. And she says, you, we need to go meet at another location. Cause they probably doing surveillance and they going to meet in parking lots. 
That's what dope boys do when you jump in the car with them as a narc because they want to make sure you're not getting followed. Absolutely. We got politicians doing that. And 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 we sitting here mad at the wire. Come on, man. Stop. So this let's is lovely hills. think different about how we use these negatives and try to erase them. I would love to be able to show the wire used to exist in Baltimore and look at what you got now. You right. can't really go to a single place that was quote bad and it exist in that same way anymore because this is what we did. Mm. No different than again what they do with the mob tours in some of the cities I named. Absolutely. Early. Absolutely. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, man, it's it's again it's so they much do it in Miami too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's right. so much promise and so much opportunity. You talk about the bike rides. A buddy of mine actually did a bike ride just last week mm-hmm. where they toured all the, a, a lot of the murals in Baltimore as a group. Um, they did the mural bike ride. Mm. Baltimore is famous for murals. How many people from outside of the city you think are going to get on a bike and bike through these parts of Baltimore to see the murals? They're scared because of the perception. Right. So as we change that perception, think of the economic opportunities that we create in these communities and the opportunities we can give young artists to do more of that to build even more economic opportunities. Everybody wins. Yeah. Yeah, Got to do it, man. Damn, you need tourists when you when you in a city. You need uh, medicine, which we have. One of the best, best medical institutions in the world. In the world, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. You right. can go to middle of India and say Johns Hopkins. They're gonna say yes, absolutely. Yes. You know, I mean, isn't there someone that comes from that part of the world over here to get their treatment all the time? All the time, and they come through all the time. And they come through all the time. I mean, we we have some, like you said, the best me- one of the best medical institutions in the world. The infrastructure is there. It's we just here. have to build around it. We have the harbor. You know, one of my big things, and you talk about as a candidate, right? Some of the creativity leads to opportunity to further the conversation. So, I love fishing. I'm not an expert fisherman like people who play golf. I, I like to play golf. No one's an expert golfer except Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. I'm, I love fishing. Mm-hmm. I'm not the best fisherman, but I love going fishing. We have an amazing harbor, and the water's getting better. Uh, you know, people want to joke and talk about how bad it is. All right, we agree. You might not want to have dinner from the harbor, right. but doesn't mean you can't hone your craft from the harbor. Absolutely. So we have this busted up pier down between restaurant Ampersy and the Brown Advisory building down in Fells Point. Right. Bu- busted up pier. It's been vacant for many years. And I talked about how we can turn that into a tourist opportunity where you make it a real pier again at the Inner Harbor. Because there are no piers downtown at the Inner Harbor that you can actually really go fishing off right. of there. Turn that into something. But more importantly, let's incorporate our school into it. Schools mm. into it. Teach young kids how to fish. Teach them how to fish, tie these knots, and I guarantee you what they're going to do is they're going to go out there and they're going to get into this fishing, and they're going to break their knots on the trash that's in the harbor. Mm. They're going to say, how did this trash get here? Right. It's an opportunity to teach them about litter. And recycling and environment. They catch these fish, whether we want to eat them or not. You can eat them. You can. Don't argue with me about that. You actually can. Um, There's some advisories. Saute that thing the but way it's supposed to. Let's teach them how to cook, how to scale and fillet that fish. Yes. Then a lot of these young black children will be out on that pier and they'll think to themselves, well, what if I fall in? They're going to want to learn how to swim. Because one thing we have an issue with here in Baltimore and other urban centers is young black kids swimming. Right. I didn't swim. learn how to swim until I was an adult. 
And we have a lot of kids who have a deficit in swimming. So, again, there's so much opportunity right here in the city. I agree. You know, That's beautiful. I never thought about that. That's amazing. Hell, yeah. That'd be the biggest change. Yeah, because now, you know, with, with the cooking aspect, you have, you may have a, you know, a young fellow or woman. She may, you know, now mm-hmm. she got crazy, you know, deep southern, you know, recipes now with this fish. And it's it just, creativity. It just it's yeah, building. Just you're building endless. the creativity in people's minds. Everything doesn't have to revolve around sports. No, it you want to expose people to as much as you can expose them to. So think about that. They've learned a hobby. They've learned how to cook a meal. They're learning things. And several will pick and, up and on survival. it and take and survive and, and survival. survival. You're giving them life skills. I mean, again, I'm an outside the box thinker. I think, you know, I watch HGTV all the time. And sometimes I find myself watching Caribbean life or vacation life. And I'm like, damn, I need to go on vacation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but if I was 10, 11, 12 watching Property Brothers on HGTV and saying, man, he took that crappy house and turned it into that i want to learn how to do that absolutely my pops is a handyman that's what he does and he can do those things i didn't pick up that trade for whatever reason i guess i was too dependent but if you pick up that type of trade one you can learn how to make money right and then you could build these things on your own and bring out that creativity you could build your brand that way build your brand that way and so many people have done it, whether it be fashion school or whatever it might be. We need to expose our young people to more stuff. And the infrastructure is here. Think about all the vacant buildings in the city of Baltimore. And you start planting the seed to a 10-year-old of Property Brothers. And that 10-year-old becomes a 14-year-old that goes to a school that's starting to learn the, 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 the science of it. And then as he gets into like 11th, Eastern 12th grade. Like, like yeah, Eastern exactly, Tuck. exactly. We have it here. They are going out there. But imagine if we did that widespread and we had more young people that were graduating with those skills. You know what? My mother always told me, and life always plant good seeds. Because mm-hmm. you plant good seeds, you mature them, and then they grow up and blossom. Well, let me tell you this. So I love gardening. That's another. I love gardening. Okay. Can't do it as much because the deer ate my stuff this year multiple times. They ate my shit every year. But let. So <laughs> I'm going to put some hot sauce in that yeah. shit that year. <laughs> man. What are y'all planting that So I just got into feeding them, man. They, uh, so whatever it is, they eat the leafy stuff. They, they really leaf. do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they eat it before it even blossoms into the vegetable or the fruit. Gotcha. All right. But but speaking of, of, of planting seeds, mm. you take seeds, and if you, anyone gardens, notice, you, if you get 10 seeds and you plant all 10 of them, space them out, they're going to grow at different points. And some might not grow. Right. Or some might late be late bloomers. Like, damn, I didn't think this was going to make right. it. Took forever. And that could be the one that produces the best fruit or vegetable. Absolutely. Kids are the same way. You plant the seed, mm. and you're not going to get instant gratification because you have to nurture it. Mm. You got to make sure the deers don't eat it. Mm-hmm. You got to, I said deers. Um, if my mother listens to this, I got you. come after me. Right. The deer don't eat the it. The deer don't eat it. You got to weed it. You got to get in there and make sure you're taking care of it. You have to water it. You yes. have to, and just because it looks like it's down and out, when you water one of your plants that has not gotten it in a while, it pops right back in the shit. Mm-hmm. And some, you plant a little deeper or that seed takes a little longer to come up. But you planted the seed. 
And you might leave it there when you move from that place for the next person. But you have to plant the seed and nourish the seed, and you will eventually get fruits from it. It will mm. bear fruits. So that's what we have to do. Each one teach one, and maybe we can reach one. Absolutely. That's what we have to do with the young people to change the city. And I think that goes, you know what, that goes a long way because, and, and it makes sense to how we police, me, me and Dre. Mm -hmm. When we was out there, it's nothing for us to get out the patrol car, park it, and we just go to our local businesses, and we talk to the boys on the corner. Yep. Because at the end of the day, their respect was real. And you treat me like I'm supposed to treat you. That's right. And that goes a long way in policing. Man, look, I went down last summer to Jazzy Summer Nights. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget this. I mean, I say I'll never. I'll give two stories. So you give probably, a, you give as many as you want. So probably two thousand nine. Okay, I think it was two. I'm sitting in my office. I'm a sergeant at the time, and I'm sitting in my office. I get a phone call, and I take the phone call. It's this young man that I had locked up a few times as juvenile and as an adult. Mm. It's right before Christmas, early December. And he calls me and he says, I'm just calling to say thank you. Mm. I live in Atlanta now. I worked for Coca-Cola in Baltimore and Hanover. And I got promoted and they sent me to the headquarters in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. wow. And I want to say thank you for kicking me in my butt when I was younger to, to help me stay on the right track. Mm. And, and I'm like, I said, that's all you calling for? I, and I said, you just gave me my Christmas gift. Right. Wow. That's my, and I never forgot that. And last year I'm at Jazzy Summer Nights and I'm walking across this nighttime and I'm walking across the grass and I hear a couple guys yelling, TJ. And I stop and I can't really see him because the sun, the um, the uh, lights are in my eyes. I get closer and I see some guys I know. I had put two of them in federal prison mm. and we start talking and it was a decent conversation. We start talking about kids, and they got kids. And they tell me, this is before I announced my run for mayor. And they say, you should run for mayor. You're a good dude. And and you really care. And I'm like, man. And it's moments like that's like, man, I tried to do my job the right way. And it goes to you guys' points where you just plant these seeds. Regardless of, it, I, I used to call it Tom and Jerry, and I know that's getting a little dated these days with young kids. But Tom and Jerry chase each other the whole episode, and they're friends at the end. That's what we do on the street. You know, when I'm on duty, my job is to get you, and your job is to get away. Absolutely. Yeah. My job is not to disrespect you or dehumanize you. It's to, it, it, honestly, if you stop doing what you're doing, I'm good with that because somebody else is going to take your place. Yeah, right, but I'm absolutely. good with that. And it led me, over mm. the years, I started a program when I was in Anne Arundel County called Ties. Mm. And the the sign the the uh, what was significant about it is we called it ties because the initial thing was to teach him how to tie a necktie mm. because the symbolism of being a man yes sir to know how to tie yes your sir but then we saw a greater symbolism of tying everything together so we started having sessions where we wanted to teach these young men how to do this and this young the guy doesn't even notice the inspiration behind this was a two time felon. I'm sitting in my police car one day and he comes up to my car. I'm sitting on the hot block and he comes in my car. He said, TJ, I know you out here trying to get us not to sell drugs, or whatever. He said, I'm a two time felon. What, what am I to do? And I said, damn, mm. that's, that's a good question. Right. I don't know. And then it hit me. We tell them you need to go get a job. 
We tell them that. I know right. you've done it. You need to go get a job. Get off this corner. We take for granted they know how to fill out an application. They know how to interview. They know how to communicate. They know how to keep that job. No. So I said, you know what? We're going to peel back the layers of this onion, and we're going to do it from the basics and teach them how to fill out an uh, application. You can't roll it up and have spaghetti stains on it and go in there. We're going to teach you how to dress for success. We're able to get donations of clothes to get these young men right to go in to get an interview on the day of and get a job. And they just needed some guidance. And it was, I mean, again, the, I had other officers that helped me, other civilians that helped. And it became a program that the Anne Arundel County Courts juvenile system recognized. And it's, quote, sentenced young kid, young uh, 14, 15, 16-year-olds who got in trouble to have to appear at our program. Wow. So that was a big deal. So we're not trying to penalize you. We're trying to teach you something. Mm. And, you know, again, we have to impart whatever wisdom it is we have on the young people to make a better way. And we can do that even in uniform. And um, I was proud to be a part of that. But, yeah, it was those moments like that that I look back on and say, I'm good. I'm, I appreciate that. Because running for mayor, you know, you're going to deal with some scrutiny. I'm thinking to myself, damn, some somebody going to come in. I know we're going to talk about it later. But somebody gonna come. It's twenty years later. You lock me up for weed. Well, we look at weed differently than we looked at at it twenty years ago. Absolutely. Right. And that's what I'm gonna have to deal with. That I over incarcerated people for weed. That's what I thought was gonna be like the big thing against me or what have you. Right. So. Wow. Yeah. So ties, huh? Yeah, man. It was that's just awesome. So, just tried to, tried to, you know, like a, 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 an example from Taz, this young guy, he was an artist, a good artist, and I hope he's doing well. Pray that he's doing well. Um, but one guy, he, he worked at UPS at the time, mm. and we had him fill out mock interview, mock um, applications. And he filled out his application, and he, I think he had box loader as his job. And at the time, if you remember, UPS's commercial and their thing was logistics. There was a big thing we're, yep, we're I, just, I said so you just throw the boxes in there he said no you can't throw them in there. you got to put them in a certain way so we came up with a paragraph of what he does because okay you might load boxes but it's a big deal you're part of the entire enterprise of ups's brand logistics you make it easier for people to get their packages on time because y'all have to put them in there a certain way right it's much bigger than you just loading boxes right simple stuff like that and we also got him to dream i learned that he wanted to be an artist from the program mm. and we got to help give him steps to where he could get there to be an actual artist so, I mean, we took him uh, just dating it how long ago it was. The movie Passion of the Christ had come out. Mm. Wow. And we took a group of young people who had never been out of their community. And we had communities that people think, you know, when you think the county that they don't have hoods, so to speak. Man, they got their own hoods. They got their own hoods now. Mm. Don't so get we it took, Yeah. So we took these young um, men and we did men, a men program. A, a, a woman stopped me and said, why don't y'all do this for the ladies? Mm. I said, because um, at the time I might have been 25, 30. I said, because... I'm not going to put myself in a situation with teenage girls. That's right. stupid. Right, right, right. Why don't you do something for the ladies? <laughs> we we deal with the boys. Y'all deal with the ladies. But we took them to see Passion of the Christ. Mm. And I remember as we got out of Anne Arundel County, it was silence. And it was silence because they had never been out of Anne Arundel County. They were just staring out the window. 
And after it was over with, we took him to like Red Robin or Pizza Place. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. And it was funny. We just listened. And I said, man, Jesus was a G. Man, he took that beating like a man. And I'm sitting there like, wow. But, you know, you got to embrace that. And it was, right. it was you know. There, you just have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's awesome, though. It's one the, of those moments, man, look back on and say, that's why you do the job. Because if absolutely. you think about this, when you go through that interview, why do you want to be the police? Mm-hmm. What does everybody say? To help I want to protect help other sir. people. I want to help other people. So let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Damn. That's beautiful. That's a phenomenal intro, man. It don't get no better than that. Is Ty still around? No. Well, it it, it was one of those things as you move on and do different things, it falls by the wayside. However, while it's not around the way it was, um, some of the people who you impacted, uh, one of the young men, um, I found out that he wrote a book. One of the young men wrote a book. He got shot twice. He had to go through it. But he got through it, mm. and he wrote a book. And one of my old Ty's partners, he texted me, called me, tell me, he said, you, you're not going to believe this, but so-and-so wrote a book, and he's doing really well. This is like behind-the-scenes conversations we have in 2020. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to reach out to him. So I found him on um, um, on one of the Instagram or Facebook, and I bought his book. And um, I'm just super proud of him because I know how – the path that he was on. And he, he had to get shot twice. And, and some people, it goes back to planting that seed. Absolutely. Some people aren't going to learn when you want them to, they're going to learn when they want to. Right. And, and hopefully it's not too late. Right. And, and now things seem to have come full circle for that young man. And, 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 you know, th- those are the things that mean the world to me. So the experience of growing up in Baltimore and seeing that, and seeing so much carnage because it's much more widespread here in the city allowed me to take that experience to Anne Arundel County as an officer. Why did you go to Anne Arundel County? One of the reasons I didn't want to deal with people I grew up with, you know, and right. encounter them all the time. So I decided to go outside of the city to police. Spreads but, the wings a little bit. Right, right. And I decided, to, and when I graduated from the police academy, I thought I went that community. Right. And that was a community nobody wanted to go to. And um, it was it was a blessing and, you know, super grateful. But you know what? To that gentleman, that's a testament. Yeah. To what you embedded and instilled in him at that time. He didn't want to learn it then. But it's always on God's time. It's not on that's our right. time. That's right. And, and, and he's a living testament to that now. And, you know, God bless him. That's, yeah. that's an amazing and beautiful thing. And that's what we do day in and day out. You know, it's 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 tough when you got real ones that come in and serve a purpose. That's right. It gets overshadowed by nonsense. Yep. And that's another reason why we created this lane, this podcast, the show. We come from where you guys come from. We trying to let you know it's okay to be a police officer. It's okay to be a a a, a firefighter. It's okay to be a lawyer. It's okay. Listen, CEO. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, it don't yeah, matter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your vision is clear. You got to work. My biggest thing is you got to have a work ethic, work hard. You could do whatever you want to do. Have a heart. Yes. Remember the golden rule, you know, and, and you will be, you will be okay. It is a difficult time in policing Mm -hmm. because we've seen some people do some stupid stuff. Right. Um, I've worked with some people that do some stupid stuff. Um, But, 
that doesn't mean, you know, you need to um, abandon the profession. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, people are still depending on us. Us, what we do is a living. That's right. Don't let, don't let a bad apple spoil a bunch. Cloud your vision on this job. Yeah. Because it's a career. And you've done it. You've been in power. You've been to so many different <laughs> levels. It's crazy, man. I would love to be uh, a fucking sp- uh, mm. <laughs> a, a fly on the uh, wall just to see what you've been through day in day out. I'm gonna keep it real. Oh, yeah, uh, go, go ahead. I have a question. Well, it's been moments I said, "Why the hell did I ever get promoted?" <laughs> <laughs> out of all the positions you've held, which one was sergeant? Your and why? Sergeant of Tactical Patrol, Community Police, and Narcotics. Mm. Best job in the world. I work. I came in plain clothes every day. We went out and we, I, and as a sergeant, I had again three different areas under my area of responsibility, but we worked in concert. Mm. So it was, you know, the, the community police end of things. It was the tactical patrol to deal with some of the everyday problems and the narcotics section to deal with the places that were harboring the drug houses. What was this in our AA County? Yeah, that was in So you had all three of those units? Yeah, I had all three working under me at the time. Um at district level. Um and uh yeah that was that was it was that was great. That was the best job ever. But besides the patrol, um, you know, but but that was the best job ever. And um as I got promoted, I mean again, responsibility is one thing and you know, there's some of us who are putting those positions to deal with it. And God doesn't make any mistakes. And, you know, you look back when well, I don't have any regrets, but you look at some quality of life as you get promoted and you get, get you go up that political ladder, you start getting, um, you start feeling that influence of the politics of the job. And that's when it becomes less uh, fun. Fun. You know, right. um, that's when, you know, when I first got to the Baltimore Police Department, one of the things that I wanted to do and the, the the crew I worked with in our unit. How was we, that transition? It was good. It was actually better than than I was. I've only been nervous like three times. The first time I ever went on camera, the first time I ever went on camera with the Baltimore Police Department. And the time that I uh, came back from when my brother was killed to go on camera. Only times I've ever really been nervous mm-hmm. because they were such big moments. Right. But God bless us all. Yeah, I appreciate. And, and his, his his birthday would have been today, ironically. Oh man. wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, hey, the irony is, wow. yes, yes. yes. Um, but it's um, it, it it as you go up that ladder, man, it just becomes so more uh, so much more political. And your job is dependent upon who the boss is and stuff like that. And that's not, I'm, I was always the guy. I mean, I remember just back even when I was in, in high school and even middle school, you had these little factions that called themselves gangs. I'm cool with everybody. And you, you, you seemingly have to pick a side. And that, that wasn't my thing. I was like, I mean, we cool, we cool. Right. And then you end up getting in fights because you're not with this crew or that particular crew. And that's kind of how it is when you get into this uh, promotion yeah. world. The political so I, ring. Yes, yeah, yeah, so I, I always looked at that like some of these politicians that try to talk slick out their mouth, like, y'all wear suits every day. I didn't. So y'all better watch your mouth. Right. You know. Is, is there a way to change that, you think? Is there a way that, <sighs> I mean, like, so, so everyone, right, politicians want better police, right? But 
you can't give them better police if they're controlling a job that they never done. Yeah. Ah, perfect. Yeah, it's it's. So why don't you let police do what we do? How do you feel it stopping? It takes a gorilla to do gorilla's work, right? Because grandma's not gonna go be out there and be a gorilla. Right. She may talk, you know, like it sound good. Yeah. She's gonna paint, you know, look, paint that picture for the public. I think uh, honestly, one of the biggest things is a lot of politicians these days are talking out both sides of their mouths. You you have the defund the police conversation, and you have the violence is high. What are the police doing about it? Well, you just said it's not a police issue. Mm. So let's really get down to the conversation and stop putting everything on the police to do. Understand that violence is going to be high if you don't want police tactics to be the reason it goes backwards. So if you want it to be these other things, you're going to have some tough days moving forward. But you can't continue to put everything on police. And I use in Baltimore, for example, the squeegee kid situation. If you don't want it to be a criminal problem, don't send a police officer out to Stop doing it. Right. Stop because you're waiting for one of these bad moments to occur again, um, like we've seen from across the country. Why aren't we using the resources that the government already has to impact what we're dealing with on the street um, with the squeegee situation, for instance? I, I just think that it's so much political mumbo jumbo in these conversations, and it goes back to the original conversation of the, the defund the police. We've given the police so much to handle, so much to deal with. And as a supervisor, I'll give you an example. Remember, you know, hearing on the radio, and this is where you have to be an alert supervisor. Um, mom is calling because the uh, 13-year-old or 14-year-old kid won't go to school. I'm, I'm, as a supervisor, hold that call, and I'm calling the house. Mom, we're not sending the police out for you. Correct. Because the police can't make your child go to school. Right. That's a parenting issue. That's not but a police scared, issue. We're scared to say that. Right. We want, well, you got to send the police. No. No. Send the social worker out. Send the exactly. crisis team out. Exactly. But we have to invest in it. And I've had this conversation a lot over the past several months. The crisis teams which will include social workers, et cetera. And I know people have made a lot of funnies about the social workers, but whatever that entity is, they got to be available at 11 p.m., 2 a.m., 7 p.m., 24-7. 24-7 to be the first responders to deal with this. the situation we saw in Philly. Yeah, Look at the failure in the system. Why were the police called 30-something times? Here's something I think we got right in Anne Arundel County. If we went to a particular house X amount of times in a month or X amount of period of time, you as a supervisor had to come up with a plan of action of how to deal with that particular household because we should not be responding that many times. How are you going to stop those calls? Well, it, it, it goes back to what other entities of government are we injecting into that household? So if they keep calling because of some dysfunction that's going on, whether it's and, 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 and I want to make sure I'm clear on this when I say dysfunction, it could be somebody who has some mental challenges that acts up every now and again and you're forced to call the police. Then what are we doing to ensure that the proper entity to deal with that person is there? Because we don't want to do a disservice to them. That's 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 right. And it's crazy because the situation in Philly 
Um, and I apologize. I can't remember the young man's name. Um, Walter, I believe it was. Is that was. the man that passed away with the knife? Yes. yes. The, the officer shot. That was like two Walter. weeks ago. But, but from May until the time of that incident, the police have been called 30-something times. Mm. Yes. The judges did not put him in a facility for the mental health care. And this was apparently the third time that day that the police had been day, out there. Yep. And that's a problem. So yeah, Exactly. So right. you, you look at the moment that caused this issue. Right. Or, or or the moment that really spurred this issue of the shooting and you say, you know, you know, Walter Wallace is his name and you say, holy crap, we could have done something more that the police didn't have to be in this because the family was so, the community was so scared that they felt the need to call the police. Right. And now for the 32nd time or what have you, right. the police are out here dealing with the situation and, it could have been stopped. My thing Absolutely. is, if it's if that's the third call, the first officer has got to investigate. Now I'm I'm outside the box now, but I'm a professional at this. He should have been an NAP emergency petition. Mm-hmm. He should have been evaluated. He should have been sent down to the hospital, reference to whatever's going on with him mentally. And but you look at the fact that they probably had a history of thirty times. And they had done the EAP, the, uh, the, the EP EPs. emergency petition, and the fact that the 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 judges didn't put them in permanently place. in there, right? You right. know, and and you look at like he should not have been on the street for right. this situation that. to happen. Absolutely, and now we're arguing over the outcome, which we can argue all day whether this shouldn't have happened, should have happened, whatever the case might be. Right. It's an unfortunate situation right. that we look at the steps that have gone on and here's where it, it's left. You're holding the hot potato. Um, Curtis deal, Baltimore city. Mm. This is 2017, February of 2017. Y'all remember when I tell you it's down in the tri district area, Frederick Avenue area. Young man is 18 years old. He turned 18 in November of 2016. This is February of 2017. He is, uh, 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 pulled over in a vehicle by two um, uh, officers. Officers see him. He has a gun in his hand. He gets out the car, takes off running. They run. They take off after him. They pass him by. He has a gun in his hand. He turns, raises that gun towards the officer. The officer shoots him and ultimately kills him. Mm-hmm. We later find out that Curtis Deal had been out of jail for just 24 hours. Damn. For a handgun. Handgun. And not only... Was he out of jail for 24 hours for a handgun? He had been arrested three times since his birthday in November of 2016 mm. to February of 2017. He should never been Four out. months. He had been arrested three times for handguns. I know. And exactly. guess what? He was 18 years old. Wow. 18 years old. And we say, oh, my goodness, the officer shot and killed us. The system failed, Curtis. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have to, the system can save people from themselves right. sometimes. Because at the end of the day, an officer is going to do what he's trained to do. Yeah. Well, got to go home. and Which and, is to catch. Right. We're doing our job, which is catching. I remember editing that particular video. When I say edit, uh, pulling it out to put it out for public disposal and right. consumption. And it's not editing from taking away anything. It's just so it's that the public can happened. see. So I said, showing it in plain um, speed. And when you look at it in real speed, you can't decipher anything. Right. Then when I slowed it down, 
I remember most of the comments were like, that officer could have shot him at this point, this point, this point, this point. But he did. And he's a civilian saying that. Right. And it wasn't until that gun was basically raised at the officer that the officer finally pulled the trigger. How about that? And it's like you sit back and say, that officer should have never been put in that situation on that particular day. He 100%. shouldn't have been, but you know what? It shows that officer and his restraint. Yeah. That he was okay to take that bullet, but trying to let him know, listen, drop the Giving gun. Giving you every opportunity. Every opportunity. Yeah. But we get crucified yeah. for shooting that individual. Yeah. And, and, and fortunately, one thing I remember from that, and I wish I had screen capped it, and I probably did just have too many pictures. I would never forget. I remember seeing a message come through where a Black Lives Matter protester type said to another Black Lives Matter protester type, this ain't the case mm. to make an issue out of. Wow. Because wow. they saw it. Yeah. Because they, they saw, saw what it really it. is. Yeah. And, but, but, but again, I, I'm just using that as an example, we look at what happened out with the uh, George Floyd incident. That officer needs to go to jail. He, 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 he needs he to be trial for life. On George Floyd, like it was his prized Negro or something. Abs- no, go right. to jail. Right. Yeah, when, you when, know. when that came out, we all agreed that. Yeah. We all agreed that he needed to take his ass to jail. Oh, That's yeah, disrespecting the badge. That's, That's right. disrespecting all the phenomenal police officers that come out and do right. and serve the job the way it's supposed to be served. Mm-hmm. That's disgusting. Yep. And I don't like it at all. Wow, that's phenomenal. A lot of beautiful insight. Yes, sir. Dropped a lot of gems. Absolutely. Triple C. Yo. What we got, baby? One question for TJ that he forgot to uh, Uh ask. Tell him. What made you want to become a police officer? Mm. Oh, wow. What made me? That's a good question, actually. Back to the roots. So I'm going to give a long answer to this, this question. So in 1996, I got my mom. My mom gave me some good wisdom. I'm not going to put her out there on blast. Actually, I am going to put her on blast. <laughs> I, as, I'm, as I turned 18 a year prior, my mom says to me, as a, I'm of age to get a credit card, and I'm going to community college, and I get my first credit card in 95. She says, you F up your credit, you F up your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that is imparted on me since then, and I've never done it. I've never had any late payments, anything. So, I remember in '96, um, my mom co-signs for me for my first car. My well, not my first car. My first car that I'm have payments on. Right. So I go buy my car. She co-signs for me. I'm working a job as a medical uh, clerk, medical billing clerk, and like a month later, I get laid off. Mm. Laid off. What kind of car was it? A Maxima. Nissan Maxima. Yeah, it was sweet. Yeah, it was a ninety it was a ninety two Maxima oh, in ninety six. Oh, that's the bubble. Still, it was good. It was cool. Had my power windows again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was listening to the Lost Boys back then. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Matter of fact, Aaliyah, um, if your girl only knew, Case touched me, teased me. Had my box in my back, uh, thrown in that. Right. So, yeah, yeah, good time. So <laughs> I get, I get laid up. That, that's my car. I had a black Nissan Maxima. Ooh. Ended up getting rims on it. Oh okay. man, it was sweet. And I had the SE, so I was, I was loving life. Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. So I got my Nissan Maxima, 
and I get laid off and I got these card payments to make. And I told my mom that I'm going to take care of it. I had promised her that when so she co-signed. So, mom, I got you. I got you. Right. So I had to take a couple of odd jobs. And back then, it's crazy to think that was like 25 years ago almost. Mm. I went through the newspaper and I'm looking for jobs. And it's this place called Target coming to Maryland. Target. Target. But at the time. Just talking. We, talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we we were going to cow door back then. Yeah, Woolworth. So this place called Target is coming. And I'm like, I need a job. And I remember I'm 18. I had a little resume. I was going to community college and I'd take a one criminal justice class. And I put it on my little resume, which had no real work experience, you know. And they had a hiring hiring fair in Pikesville at the Hilton in Pikesville. Mm. And I go there. I think I had a shirt and tie on. And I interview with the manager. And she said, well, since you're in college trying to do some criminal justice stuff, we're, we're trying to hire for security. Mm. So she, I ended up getting hired for security. And my mom, if she listens to this, she might notice for the first time. But I had smoked a little weed not long before this. And I had to take a pee test. Okay. I'm like, Lord have mercy, I hope I don't fail this test. <laughs> <laughs> so I get the job. I get the job, and I'm in security at the Target in Owings Mills. I end up getting promoted six months later, and they send me to Laurel. I don't know where the hell is Laurel. Right. Where's Laurel? You know, that's like almost in D.C. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I have a car. I got a Maxima. So I said, I'll take the job. I'm yeah. living in Owings Mills at the time. I drive all the way to um, Laurel. I get a promotion and I take the job. So I, and, and, and I'm thinking Laurel's in Prince George's County. This particular little sliver of Laurel happens to be in Anne Arundel County. Mm. So I happen to meet a lot of Anne Arundel County police officers and they say, you should apply. I apply for the job. I get the job. So I, I, I didn't have a life uh, long desire to be a police officer. It's just following. I, yeah. I actually wanted to be an architect. Um, and it's funny, what? you know, going to Poly okay. and taking, you know, drafting and learning how to design things. Uh-huh. I wanted to be an architect and I'd actually started applying to colleges for architecture. And that's what I thought that I was going to do. And then um, I actually got a, a partial scholarship to Morgan where I went for one whole day and decided not to go back. <laughs> and I worked full time and went to community college full time. And then ultimately got into law enforcement and then went back to school full time and got my degrees and, you know, the rest is history. Wow. Yeah. So it wasn't a lifelong. I wasn't like 10 years old saying I'm going to be a police officer. I wasn't 15 years old saying I'm going to be right, a police right, right. It It just, it truly was by happenstance. Wow. Yeah. Fell on your lap. Yep. That's perfect. Yep. Oh. Damn. Dropping gems, man. Yeah. And it's been, it was a great career. I mean, um, I don't have any regrets. It was a great career. Uh, so you had I got a lot to of do fun. a lot. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, met a I lot of good people. Met a lot of good people. Um, and, and that's in the department and outside the department. I'm still friends with people. I'll tell another story. Uh, back in early, mid 2000s, PCP became a big thing again. Mm-hmm. I violated an administrative rule. Okay, I didn't have my gloves on, and I seized some marijuana. Who hasn't seized the blunt with just their bare hands? Right? Absolutely, yeah, of course, right? Stop, so, yeah, it's a Stop blunt. It, it's a right. blunt, it right? If you don't touch the wet part, we good. So I grab right. these blunts, I'm seizing, and next thing you know, I'm in a community. I'm in one of the projects there, and I fortunately enough had a great relationship with people. I got these things in my hand. Next thing you know, I'm feeling dizzy and phew, gone, fall out. Pass out. I'm, I'm on a stretcher. 
And I'm headed to the hospital. It was a PCP dip, but blunt. And it got through my bloodstream because I was holding on to it for probably 15 minutes because I'm having a conversation. Mm. And it got in my bloodstream and made me pass out. And it was somebody from the community that called the police or called the ambulance on me, got to the hospital. Now, I will say this. This is pretty funny. We had to do what's called prisoner meal. So you go pick up a prisoner meal um, and take them back to the station while the prisoner was waiting to be taken to the detention center. So I went one day to get them and it was a McDonald's and somebody from behind the counter uh, comes up to the clerk says, that's the one that got knocked out. I said, oh, excuse me? <laughs> you got knocked out? Of I said, no, 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 no. I said, first of all, who claimed that knocked me out? Right. That's first of all, because I didn't have a conversation with him. Right, right. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so, and then I got some um, some, some, some voicemails from people in the community, which is pretty funny. TJ, are you dead? No, no, I'm not dead, because I went away. I went to a training for two or three weeks after that in vacation. So the moment that I fall out, I'm gone for like a month. Right. And it was just simply by happenstance that I'm gone. Right. And people were, I'm dead. I was knocked out. Like, nah. Ain't it crazy yeah. the things people come up with? <laughs> yeah, yeah, knocked out. Yo, yeah. They, they know Zero. who serves their community, man. Yeah. Right. So, but again, that's the stuff where I would always, you are always outnumbered. I had a joke with um, a couple of white police officers because one in particular had said uh-huh. when we were in a community, he said, you people. I said, man, no, don't, don't do that. Right. I said, I keep a change of clothes in my trunk. Absolutely. Because if things break out, I'm jumping on the other side. <laughs> and I'm going to kick your ass, too. Absolutely. <laughs> You're going to get that work, yeah. too. So you don't play that that you people game. Like, we, right. we ain't doing that. Nah, that's yeah. awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I hope. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. you. Yeah, man. Indeed. 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 Amazing. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's good stuff. And, 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 I know we're probably about to wrap up soon, but oh, no, we're no, no. we just getting started. All good. Well, let's keep it rolling. Let's keep it, let's keep it rolling. <laughs> all right, Triple C, what we got? Uh, Silverback News. What's this up, is baby? from police1.com. Dot com. Dot com. Uh-oh. Um, Oregon becomes the first state to decriminalize possession oh, of street drugs. All right. So partial good, good. returns Tuesday showed overwhelming support for measures uh, for 62.5% to 37.5%. I thought you were about to say 62 grand. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Wow. Voters overwhelmingly support measures of uh, measure 110. Um and it is a New York-based drug policy alliance, the same criminal justice reform group that backed Oregon's successful marijuana legalization. Um, supporters believe U.S. drug policy has uh, filled the country's jails with nonviolent offenders instead of um, incarceration and disproportionately affecting generations of black people. Um, the drug policy poured more than $4 million into decriminalizing campaign. So um, I'll say, what do you all think? Listen, that's insane. <laughs> I'm going to let our special guests elaborate. Yeah. You can lead off. All right. At, please do. Well, we're going to disagree. I can I can clearly see that. Okay. So we're going to start with a little bit of history, and mm-hmm. then I'm going to go with my opinion on the matter. Preach. So take it back to a mayor who I look up to, Mayor Kurt Schmoke of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So I lived on Dofield. He lived on Sequoia. 
Sequoia is in the Ashburton community, which is only two blocks away from where I live, but it's a world's away from where I live. Mm. I lived in a row home community on one side of Cold Spring, and he lived in a single family community on the other side of Cold Spring. They had trees and grass and all kinds of stuff. Man, I had trees and grass, but that was a different. That Not was like a, that. That was some Huxtable type stuff. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. I remember as a young young and riding by that house, and this is no premonition to me running for mayor. I never even thought about that. But riding by the house, a Baltimore police car would always be out there. You knew it was like, well, I get a glimpse of the mayor. But he was our first black elected mayor. Mm-hmm. Clarence Du Burns was the first black mayor. He took over when uh, gov- uh, when Mayor Schaefer became the governor. Mm-hmm. And he took over for a short period of time. And then Kurt Schmoke won the election as mayor. He used to be the state's attorney. And he ran for mayor. And it's funny because his name is Smoke, not Smoke. A lot of people say Smoke. But he played on that because he had a train like hat and mm. thing as his like his people gimmick. kept saying Smoke. Right. Smoke. Right. So he just played along with it and it became the thing. He went. But back then, nineteen eighty seven, I want to say it was, he had what people they tried to chase that boy out of town. Mm. He said, We need to decriminalize drugs mm. in Baltimore. Because we need to take the profit out of drugs in order to stop this fight over territory. And when he said it, they wanted to chase him out of town. Which is crazy because he ultimately was reelected three times as mayor. Mm -hmm. He's Mm. the last mayor uh, to get that many terms. And O'Malley was the last mayor to ever be reelected. Because since then, we've had situations. We're not going to go into that. Um, But so he first suggested decriminalizing drugs back in 1987 they thought Mm -hmm. that man was crazy out of his mind they thought he was out of his mind so now as we get into this world of decriminalization where maryland only decriminalized 10 grams of marijuana right i have been bullish on the idea of de like what is the reason for a possession of marijuana charge Mm. why do we have a possession of marijuana charge you're either selling it or you're not Right, right. If you ain't selling it, you're using it. You're so using get it. rid of it. Right. Get rid of the charge. But think about this even more. Now, I know from uh, uh, from a, a standpoint of trying to flip a witness or flip a, a suspect into being a, an informant, you want that leverage. But a person with a grammar crack or whatever, a rock of crack or a capsule of heroin, what good are we locking them up seriously so out in seattle the west coast the left coast as they call it are much more progressive than we've been i mean they call maryland a liberal state compared to the west coast we're conservative right but you look at the west coast and you look at seattle they started with law enforcement assisted diversion which we ultimately got the pilot program in baltimore Right. So if you're caught with a small amount of drugs, you're sent to treatment as opposed to being criminalized for it. And I am in agreement with that. I don't feel the need to lock up drug offenders who are getting high versus those who are selling. They need help. Right? They need help. They're they sick. Help. They're sick people. And again, I talked to couple of colleges recently and I broke it down from the race racial aspect in the 80s and 90s if your parents and my parents were getting high around a table smoking crack right and the police came in because one of them OD they taking right. everybody to jail everybody they gone. find that crack on the table the pipe they taking you to jail right now 
when that heroin got out to the county, the Carroll County and Howard County and Harford County and Anne Arundel County, right. and 20-year-old white boys are dying with needles in their arm, mm-hmm. and the 20-year-old white friends are saying, we wanted to call the police and the ambulance, but we were scared. We are going to go to jail. It's become the heroin and the opioid epidemic. Epidemic. And we changed the law to the Good Samaritan Law, mm. where you can call the police, and if they come for an overdose, they can't lock y'all up. No. I don't disagree with that, but we have to right the wrongs of the past right. because it was our people. And one thing that's understated from the Obama administration when it, uh, Obama administration when it comes to drugs, mm-hmm. y'all think about this. I don't know if y'all ever worked task force or anything like that, but I worked task force as well. And 50 grams of crack was the benchmark to get you to that get you mandatory minimum time. Boom. Mm-hmm. And guess how many grams of cocaine was equivalent to the 50 grams of crack? Was 500. 500? How much crack can you make out of 50 grams of crack? Jesus uh, Christ. No, 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 no. 50 grams of crack. 50 grams of crack. How straight, much crack can you make? crack. You can make 50 grams of crack out of 50 grams of crack. Right. How many grams, how many grams of crack can you make out of 500 grams of cocaine? Right. Yes, a lot. Way a lot. Yes. But it's the white boys who are bringing in the 500 grams of cocaine. Mm. Or the 400 grams of cocaine. Or right. The 250 grams. And it was the black corner boys that were going to jail for the mandatory for, minimum time right. for the crack cocaine right, at right, right. 50 grams. And possession. And under Eric Holder's attorney general's office, they got rid of that standard, which was disproportionately affecting black people. Oh. Yeah. Big time. That's fire. Yeah. Damn. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. So, so as we look at, at, at this progressive measure Mm. that uh oregon has taken really if we think about it and i know a lot of our cases start with a uh, a simple drug deal Mm -hmm. right um the it doesn't mean we can't still build our cases do we really need to put criminal charges on people who are um out there getting high because they're the people that are sick and really, the more we eliminate the people getting high, the less the drug dealers are going to have to make a profit off of. And I know that sounds like, wow, that's way too much. But Kurt Schmoke called this back in 1987. Sure did. It was the blueprint. Yeah. Yeah. And now everybody's going to it. I mean, the the standards are so crazy. Um, During my tenure with the Baltimore Police Department under Commissioner Davis, he went, and, and I know some police officers had an issue with this, but he went to the state uh, Maryland uh, Police Commission's uh, training board. There was a standard of how many times you smoke marijuana, and it was 20. If you smoke 21 times, if you smoke marijuana 21 times, but you have been a decorated war veteran, you were eliminated forever and ever, amen, of becoming a police officer anywhere in the state of Maryland. Mm. It was disproportionately affecting black people we went before the board to petition to change that as you look at the country and how progressive it's becoming with marijuana laws why are we still judging on background investigations people who smoke marijuana 25 times you either abused it or you didn't you either sold it or you didn't and that's part of the background investigator's job if somebody abused marijuana and sold you're gonna it's other things that you're gonna find out 
but we shouldn't simply be eliminating you because you smoked marijuana when you were 18, 16, 17, 25 times, and you admitted to that, and now you can never be a police officer. It's just that's bogus. Yeah. So like, like that's what, gone. What are you doing now? That and that's the thing. If I was judged on the person I was at 16 or 17 or 18 or 19, I wouldn't be sitting here with you guys. Absolutely. So we we need to keep that in consideration. That maturity level grows so quickly over those years, right? And that's paramount. Yeah, that's par- that exactly. So let's not let's not sit there and 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 hold people to account who's now 30-year-old who, who, who's been in the military, who's traveled the world, who's defended this country. I made some mistakes when I was 16, 17, 18. I've admitted them to you, but you're holding that against me? And I come can't serve my own city? Right, come on But I on can now. serve my country? Right. That don't make sense. At all. Yeah. At 18, the mindset is different to when you're 25 and yeah. been through some stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. It's crazy. Oh, my God. That's fire. Listen, Triple C, I ain't got nothing else to say about the Oregon thing. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to say. It's real. It's just, again, we have to just look at what, where we want to put our focus. Right. And realistically, in the world where we're going with mm-hmm. policing, I mean, I would think. How police- do you feel right now? You got the experience of a not even a police officer, but a supervisor. Yeah. How do you feel the world is going? Mm-hmm. And how are we going to keep the new officers that come on board? Mm-hmm. How do you mm-hmm. feel? How Great gonna, question. How are we going to get people to, 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 to join the job? How are we going to retain the people in the department? Well, nowadays? whatever your religion is, go to that that church in right. that environment and right. pray and pray um look i do not envy the position because there's a lot of group think going on um like mm-hmm. you know we should absolutely hold to account those who uh do the job and do it wrong we I, look i'm on the side of any time you take a person's life of freedom that's fine it should be the utmost scrutiny it should be the absolute utmost scrutiny every time especially if you take somebody's life absolutely but we can't put a blanket over everything and say you killed someone in a line of duty and every single time we turn that into a protest or a riot or what have you so i i just it's a tough tough time we're in a very tough time in policing i don't envy the position i'm glad as hell i'm retired um, there's a lot of me that doesn't have any desire whatsoever to get involved in law enforcement again, uh, because of where things are, because you wake up in the morning and, and an officer did something stupid right. and that's your job, you know? So, you know, I, 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 I wish more officers could just, and here's a word that isn't said enough in law enforcement, tactical retreat. Mm. You can run away from situations and create more space and more time. Time, distance, and cover. Exactly. Sound like ancient here. Absolutely. You, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's. I just. I, I. I. We need. We. We should use this moment to get better as a profession. Right. To absorb the scrutiny. Right. But we can't let the scrutiny override the need to do the actual job. No, because it's gonna happen, and we got to put that product out there. Like, listen. 
I'm gonna be honest with you. The gentleman from the Philly murder. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It happens. But, you know, that gentleman in reference, the officers, they utilized, you know, time, distance, and cover. Absolutely. And that goes a long way. So now, you know, they're being scrutinized on the making a a decision that they had to make for them going home at night. I mean... That situation, even with, um, you know, he had, I guess, what it seemed to be like his mom or. He had his mom with him, but he also had a knife in his possession. Right. In his purse. And and the neighborhood was calling several times. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I if mean, it, you know, if it wasn't good, I mean, come on, man. The gentleman's got a knife on him. And, and that's the thing that everybody's talking about. Like, oh, a social worker would have handled that easier Come or better. On. Right, stop it. This, this gentleman, may he rest in peace, and we're not, you know. Right. But this person had his mom, someone that he loved, someone that knows him there, and she couldn't control him. What makes you think a stranger will? Mm. You understand what I'm saying? A, a stranger that nobody, he don't even know that person. He don't know you. At all. He don't want to see you. Right. And mom can't handle it, so she called the police. She called the police. Or the neighbors or whoever it was. It's out of hands. And, and you know, that was a discussion we were having earlier. Tasers, right? Right. Tasers with someone with that mindset are ineffective. We all know that. Right. Tasers, I, tasers don't work sometimes. But again, all that went into how they got there that day. Right. And 30 times. Correct. Mm-hmm. Can't keep. And, and here's the reality, too. 22, 23, 24-year-old kid who's never been in that real-life experience before, sent into this environment that many times, you're you asking for trouble. And, you know, I give it to the Philly officers because they told that gentleman, put the knife down. Put the knife down. They ran away from him. They want to listen. They went around the, the the patrol car, bro. Put the knife down. Put the knife down. Please put the knife down. Yeah. I mean, how long you think that song and dance is going to go on for? Well, and, and then the reality is, you're in a you're in a a very tough scenario. So I give another story of a Baltimore situation. Okay. Um. It was 2017 as well. Cold, cold um, fall morning, I want to say. Fulton Avenue. And we have a guy holding a kid, two kids hostage at a house. Family called, mental health situation. Mm -hmm. Family calls, says he's doing X, Y, Z. Officers get there. It's on body-worn camera. He's holding a knife up to the kids next. He's yelling, screaming. I remember I was, this is one of these challenges. I repeat this when I talk to colleges or community or communications um, people. When the decision was left up to me. So we had the body worn camera, which we always released. Right. And we have a traumatic situation with kids screaming and crying and being held hostage. So I decided not to release the body-worn camera footage, but to bring the media in and let them watch it. 
And I knew that there was also going to be this dramatic moment because we have a supervisor meet with a tactical officer after an hour and a half. And he says, I want you to walk upstairs and I want you to kill this guy. Got to make that executive decision. I said, this is going to be dramatic. If if that's on TV, that's all they're going to show. That moment. And they're going to bury what led to that moment. Right. So, um, bottom line is the officer... The, the the marksman SWAT guy gets there and he gets this order from his supervisor and he walks up the steps. Another officer gives the guy order to put the knife down and the marksman takes the shot, shoots him right in between the eyes. Um, officers run in, peel the knife out of his hand and they grab the two kids. The guy dies. I remember that. Yeah. And I didn't get as much scrutiny um, as I thought we were going to get. But it was one of those, we're not going to wait until one of these kids gets a knife. Absolutely not. Slit. It's right. a one-year-old and a four-year-old. It's not going to take much to kill him. Right. So we gave him every opportunity, and you can see from the video, to stop doing what he was doing. And you look at the situation in, in Philly, and you say, what if he turned it and, and, and stabbed somebody with a knife? is the scrutiny now going to be on them for not acting sooner? Correct. Right. So there's such tough scenarios, these split-second decisions. It's instantaneously, and it's always, we're damned if we do and damned mm-hmm. if we don't. Mm-hmm. So so <clears throat> my question is this. Being that you work very closely with the media, mm-hmm. the media has never done this job. Mm-hmm. Why do they think, why do they put it out there like they can or I would have done this and we should have done and they point the finger like we me as a detective I would never go to a cameraman and say you know from this distance you should do this or or to a reported person like you should say this or you should stand here why do they feel that it's so comfortable to come to our profession and tell us what to do when they never done it you know, I think great that, question. I think that in some ways that we've lost a little bit of the non-bias approach that the media is supposed to take, and they have allowed some of the influence from around them to influence them and how they respond to some of this. Mm. You can ask the questions, and I get it. And we should be again held to account, especially when we take someone's life. Right. One of the things that. Um, I did, um, we did during my tenure was the shoot, don't shoot scenarios. And some didn't take us up on the offer, which we knew they wouldn't. For the, for, um, for the public to come in. For the, for the, for the public and the media. Absolutely. The media. Yes. So you could see how quick these decisions could be made. How they react. Um, and, but I will say this, you know, with the body worn cameras, that made it a whole lot easier to explain scenarios. And, you know, you you had people during my tenure. Fortunately, like almost every police involved shooting was legit, a, a legit where it didn't raise a lot of suspicions. Like, why did they shoot? You know, you you some people could argue, but it's really trying to teach a civilian. And I take the time sometimes to tell my friends when he said, "Why can you shoot him in the leg?" Well, the and and I hate when I hear police are taught to shoot to kill. No, we're taught to shoot to stop. Shoot to kill is once the person's down on the ground, we go over top of them and execute them. Right. No, we stop. We do that. When you shoot them and they drop, we stop. 
We stop and we render aid. Yeah, exactly. No, we shoot to incapacitate, to stop the threat. Stop the threat. Period. Shoot to stop the threat. And and then I'm going to render aid. Right. Exactly. And if you survive, that's great. We're not shooting you. you to kill you. No. If you survive, that is fantastic. If you succumb, I'm. Uh, and, and and fortunately, I've been close to pulling the trigger a few times in my career, and I never had to. But I know officers that have pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. And I know some of them that are screwed up in the head. Absolutely. They pulled the trigger. So, and, and I've always said, um, anyone who wants to pull the trigger don't need to be in this profession. Absolutely. You know, kids ask me that every time I'm in um, a school. Have you ever shot anybody? No. Uh, I hope I never had to. I don't want to pull the shit yeah, right. every, at all. Every old time that I come across and they say, I had a great career because I never had to shoot anybody. Yeah. You shouldn't. If you want, that's the person that doesn't need to be in this profession. If you got in this profession to shoot somebody, you don't need to be in it. Get, it, get on out. Yeah. You can't be quick to pull the trigger. We are trained to observe things. It's, it's like as we watch a football game or a baseball game, like I can't even imagine hitting a 98-mile-per-hour fastball. Right. But they're trained to know how to hit that 98-mile-per-hour fastball. We're trained to be able to slow down a situation and see some things that the general public might not be able to see immediately. And, and again, if we have to make that ultimate decision, think about that. It's the power that God has to take your life. Mm. And that's the power that only judges have to take your freedom. And we are blessed with those two unique powers. Be scrutinized. And then there's that fine line between criminal versus or intentional versus uh, lawful but awful. Oh, crap. Right. Shouldn't have right. done it. And I was telling people, and I really don't want to get into a long, drawn-out conversation about this, but the Breonna Taylor situation, it's horrible. It's horrible. And she should never have died. No. But I was telling people, you're not going to see criminal charges from that. You're no, not going to see somebody charged with murder because you have to look at this, the, the, the totality, the totality of it. People of couldn't situation. understand it. I'm like, I know you want blood for blood. But I'm just telling you, the situation, when you talk about the intent, and you have to just segment it, did they did they were they going about it these particular officers with what they knew and had at the moment if the answer is yes okay let's go to the next phase did they encounter gunfire if the answer is yes did they have a reason to return fire? my biggest thing if you got a sign no knock search warrant if you go inside there and you're met with gunfire you're gonna fire back you already know what happens. Now, I will say this again as a supervisor of a narcotics team. Um, and some of my, it, it, what's great for me to this day mm-hmm. is hearing from my uh, former officers that work for me. Right. Who call me and say, thank you. Or call me and say, you were right. I hated chases because they always ended bad. And I hated no knock warrants. I tried to get the target outside the house. And I'll be honest. I tried to do as many warrants without the SWAT team as I could. Absolutely. Because they make you jump through hoops and hurdles. Absolutely. And I had to deal with the attitudes. I actually have a shirt at home where we made a mockery of them. It's called Squirrels with Advanced Tactics. Good. You know, but but the point is, I tried to do what we could do without using the SWAT team. Because, you know, a SWAT team, it's a different demeanor. It's a different demeanor. But, but 
we're doing it for a reason. Right, right. And we try, regardless of what the judge gave us, you can go in this house without knocking and announcing. Right. Let's do what we can to limit the threat. Absolutely. And limit the threat to the people we're going to encounter. If we get the target outside the house, that's great. We got him. So. But you know, know, if we met with with hot fire. Yeah. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. Been there, done that. Right. Yep. So that was an ugly, ugly situation. And unfortunately, Breonna Taylor, Marilyn experienced um, a scenario, certainly not a Breonna Taylor scenario. Mm -hmm. Ours involved animals. In Maryland, I don't know if you guys remember this, but it was earlier mid two thousands in Prince George's County. Uh, they have a dozen municipalities there, but in a particular municipality yeah, where they had a mayor, um, this is back when people were getting drugs delivered to homes and they would go swipe the box. Mm. So drugs are delivered to a particular home, and this the the, the drugs weren't associated with that home; and they just happened to be delivered there. They do a search warrant on the home. They shoot and kill two uh, Labrador retrievers. Oh, wow. And they were the mayor of this particular town, Brentwood, I think it was. Changed the game of search warrants in Maryland. In Anne Arundel County at the time, we got these, uh, like, rating sheets where we had to do different ratings for the threat level for the search warrant to show the need. So regardless, right. the judge gave you a no-knock. Does it meet that criteria? The criteria, yeah. That's here to follow it out, yeah. Yeah. and and it limited the risk. I mean, of 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 something happening to people, and, and that's what we should be doing. You know, absolutely. We got to do what's best for the people. That's right. Wow, phenomenal. Triple C. What else we got? Good to go. I killed it. Oh man, I uh, I want to take this time and 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 thank our phenomenal T.J. Smith coming through listen it's things is different when you got somebody that's been there and done that and their experience is paramount you should listen it's not something to where somebody thinks this is going to be the ending no they've been there and done that so they know what the ending is going to look like totally different like I told you, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 44, It's different. I want to thank TJ Smith for coming out. Thank you, guys. No, thank no, you, for sir. Me. Thanks for being here. It's amazing. What he displayed tonight is something that you're really going to get because you got a real individual that came up from B-more. He came homegrown. His experiences led him to doing the job, being a supervisor with the job, and being a politician on the job. Like, where you going to get that from? Ladies and gentlemen, this is what we're bringing. He's also serious about actually making a change. Absolutely. Because, like you said, he's, he knows where it's going to end up. And it's all about saving lives and just... Planting that seed. That's my man. By the way, that's my man right there, <laughs> TJ Smith. Appreciate that's my guy. You, bro. <laughs> we all have to be bears, and you know, we just had an election, and here's crazy about the election. I know we wrap it up. Seventy-one percent of people in the Democratic primary voted for someone other than who is now the mayor. Right. 
Here's what we have to do. Tell them. We we have to support the mayor. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. The system is the system. Because his success is our success. Right. If he's successful, then there's a lot less mothers who are crying and burying their children. It's a lot less work you guys have to do on the street because mm-hmm. things are getting better. So my prayer and my hope is that despite some political differences many have had and that 71% of the public supported someone else, we have to support who has been ordained to that position at this point in time because not everybody can do it. Right. So we have to do what we're now relegated to do because mm. not everybody can get it. Right. And we got to be good with it. You know, we can't spend four years complaining about it. We have to spend four years trying to make sure he's built for success. Preach. Because we're just as bad as everything else that's gone on in this country if we're rooting for his failure. And if we just sit back and do nothing. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we might not like some of the policies, but it's all about accountability. Mm. And if the policies that we don't like rear their ugly heads over the next three to four years, then the public will have an opportunity to make a change from what we see. But right now, we have to support that, even if it's difficult. That's what we have to do. Mm. Amen. Y'all wonder why I love this man. I I definitely agree with that. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, it's episode 44. Silverback Chronicles podcast. I want to thank my brother TJ Smith for coming through, dropping some gems, free gems at that, because the man is well articulated. He's well experienced. He's been there and done that and knows what it takes to get to the top. You got to come back. Anytime. Come back. Anytime. I want to thank my brother Dre. Peace and love. I want to thank my brother Triple C. Yo. Shout out to my brother JB and his podcast, JB vs. Everybody. Listen, everybody. This wave is different. Silverback Chronicles podcast, we different. What we bring to the table is different. It's real. It's authentic. We love what we do. We love the people. And we're here to serve. We're for the people. All day, every day. Straight up and down like 6 o'clock. Be safe. We love you. And everybody, it's episode 44. Real quick, tell them the website. The website. For what? Don't forget about Silverback Chronicles podcast. The website. We got new merch coming in. We'll let you know when everything is restocked and ready to go. Fire. All right. But listen, we love you guys. Thank real, you. Real soft on the skin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> soft and sexy. I love it. But everybody be safe. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll see you next week, episode 45. The views and opinions expressed on the Silverback podcast are those of the hosts, producers, and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the federal, state, or local government. This includes, but not exclusive to, the Department of Defense and or the Baltimore City Police Department.